Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bircher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This is episode 130, Feelings, Communication, and Interacting with People. <laughs> how more? How much more basic can you get, right? And just a little word, uh, I've noticed everything's kind of different back here. I'm in a kind of a different studio, little section that I built uh, for a project that I'm working on with Paul Godola, and I thought it'd just be easier to do this uh, for KEW and see how this goes. Um, so yeah, feelings and communication and interacting with people. So this is all, this all stems from something I we went over with my therapist in a recent meeting about getting my needs met or getting your needs met and feelings. And I realized that, well, first of all, I got, I, I got really frustrated uh, and I felt um, sort of disillusioned about my personal growth because I felt like this is such a basic thing, right? <laughs> understanding what you're feeling and understanding what you need, what you need seems to be so basic. And communicating your needs with your spouse or your kids or your parents, or your loved ones, your job, it seems like such a basic human thing that we do every day, right? And so I felt like, man, how did I, how do I miss this? How come I have to go back, you know, two steps forwards and 50 steps back kind of thing. But, but I got past that because I, you know, I'm compassionate and with myself and I, and I realized that I'm not perfect. And, you know, you don't, you don't, you don't, this life isn't linear, right? So I'm not like making these elevational steps. And it's really important to realize this and it, and it gets at something I've said before. And I always go back to is sort of your global values. Well, once you have your, your global values sort of established, you know, even though they're dynamic and they change, and then you use your awareness to sort of filter your life experience through these values, well, how the environment and your world affects you is sort of how you feel, right? And I actually printed out several sheets uh, of feelings, and you can find these on the internet, you know, anywhere just by Googling a list of feelings. And it's really crazy to think about the things that we, that I think are feelings um, that aren't, you know, like if I try to verbalize my feelings, sometimes I'll say things like, well, I'm feeling impatient. It's like, well, impatient isn't an emotion, right? There's, there's something under that. And I guess that's the point of this feelings work is there's always, there's often a feeling under the thing that we're experiencing. Like I might feel frustrated because I got cut off in traffic, but really, that feeling is more going to resemble something like anger, and so and, and so having that vocabulary is important. And I don't think a lot of us have that vocabulary. And so, what she recommended to me was a book by Marshall Rosenberg, and it's uh, about it's called Nonviolent Communication, which was like a mind blowing thing for me because I'm like, so are you implying that I am a violent communicator? And the more I learned about it, I haven't read the book yet, but I've watched several YouTube videos about this topic, and it's amazing. When you set things up in a nonviolent way, very intentionally, for when your intent is to be heard by the person that you are talking to in a way that's neutral or at least doesn't, you know, anger or upset or frustrate the person you're talking to. Because I think a lot of times what we do when we communicate is we say, we put, kind of put blame on people. You say, like, I feel angry when you do this, <laughs> you know, which is basically saying, I don't like the way that you're doing things, or I think you're wrong, right? So, so much of this can be misinterpreted. And so what the Rosenberg's basic construct is, first, 
Take the responsibility of yourself and identify what your feelings are. And we all think we can do this, but I, I, I would guess that if pressed, few of us actually can. Even with, I want to have, you know, I, what I've been doing is sort of looking at this list of, I don't know, a hundred different feelings. And it's got like anger and like 10 sub feelings behind anger and sad because it's kind of easy to identify maybe the five or six basic anger, sadness, joy. Um, it's not really easy. Uh, but anyway, once you identify that, then you can sort of tell somebody, I'm feeling like this, me. And underneath this or this is because I have a need associated with that feeling. And the example that uh, my therapist used, which is actually kind of funny because my wife and I do this, is uh, loading the dishwasher. You know, if my wife says, I can't believe somebody's loading the dishwasher wrong, you know, what I hear is, why can't you do things my way? Why can't you load the dishwasher uh, the way I do? The way that you load the dishwasher is wrong and you're a bad person. And this is what I sort of hear. And, and I don't even have time to hear that because it it's all sort of happens automatically. And what results from that is that I feel trapped or I feel like I'm trapped. That's not the feeling. But that's sort of the get, getting closer to it, right? And, and I feel like I'm being controlled. I don't have any autonomy. I feel like I'm being told I'm wrong. Um, I start to feel shame. Okay, now we're getting, you know, I feel, I feel um, unseen, uh, ashamed, like I'm a bad person, and like I have to be apologetic. And, it, 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 and I can't do this work and tell you what those real feelings are, but that's sort of the mess that I can then use to sort of say, pinpoint what the feeling is. And then from that, sort of look at my needs. And actually that kind of language, which while they might not be feeling, sort of helps me get closer to my needs, which are to feel like I have some autonomy, to feel like I matter, to feel like I'm an equal in the conversation. And that, you know, the outcome is not always going to be that I'm wrong and I have to change. And, just so I'll back up a little bit, there's two things, I hope I can remember both of them, uh, that happened to me a lot and that I think are worth mentioning. And one is um, the, 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 the sort of, hold on. And, and, and one is when any two people, and this could be more than two people, both of these examples could be more than two people, and it could be family members or people you talk to at the drive-thru or the grocery store. When two people have a disagreement, oftentimes it seems like the only solution, and maybe this is just me and my own limiting beliefs and neuroses, and maybe you don't do this, but it seems like it, it is a power struggle where the only possibilities are one of the two people get their way. And generally... This means one of the the people, person who doesn't get their way is going to be saddened or feel unseen or not get their needs met or 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 be ashamed, and the person that does win, you know, gets to like you know become a more narcissistic person. It's almost like that. If you go back to that episode, nar- narcissism and codependency, it's almost like that relationship is the only outcome. But really, there's a third or fourth or maybe fifth outcome where. There's a compromise. Let's just talk about the compromise. And that's really what it, what it seems like the purpose of a disagreement 
is to go through one of these this non, non, using something like nonviolent communication so that both parties understand one another, can understand that this isn't just a superficial knee-jerk reaction of anger or these kind of simple things, but it, it really is a matter of historic belief systems, their past, you know, your family of origin, your, your childhood trauma, that's what's sort of underneath all of these sort of surface level knee jerks that we tend to fight about. And if we can just take a minute in that conversation and and drop down a level or two, I think, and see each other as people, we can get beyond this. Somebody has to be right. You know, that seems like the only outcome in any situation is that one person has to be right and the other person has to be wrong. And for me, as a kind of a conflict avoider. I want everybody to be happy. You know, I can use I can use derogatory terms to describe myself like codependent or even the doormat, but I don't think it's like that. I just think I'm generally laid back enough to where I want to find a pathway to calm and peace for both parties or any number of parties that are involved and just sort of say, can't we all see each other as human beings? It reminds me of a story I actually went to Daytona Bike Week with my parents, which is a kind of a bizarre thing to do when I was like 19. And my parents and all their biker buddy uh, people were there. And, we, and it was weird because I was with them, but they were also getting older and they weren't doing the wild stuff that they used to do. And I really made a connection with uh, this one guy they called Gus. And uh, he was, you know, I had, long, I had long hair at the time. And he sort of said, you know, you wouldn't do too good around here on your own. Because everybody's going to want to pick on you. Everybody's going to want to start a fight with you, uh, just because you you know you're a little different and you're kind of that's just kind of the vibe. Don't go into a biker bar was his sort of advice. And I was kind of like, why? And he's like, you know, people just go in there and they like to fight, and you're an easy target. And he said one time I was in a biker bar. You know, he's like, it's not all like that. There are some good people. And he's like, one time I was in a biker bar. And one guy came in that had like a, not a Harley Davidson shirt on, like a Suzuki shirt on. And of course, the big tough Harley guy comes up to him and wants to start a fight with him. And they're, you know, it's escalating. And the bartender finally comes up and he goes, look, you ride a motorcycle and you ride a motorcycle. What is there to fight about? Y'all quit this nonsense. And they did. They heard him. And that's what I'm talking about. It's like, why do we split ourselves into... I'm different and you're, I'm not you and you're different from me. And let's talk about that (laughs) instead of saying, wow, I have skin and you have skin (laughs) or something even more like I have kids and you have kids or I have ailing parents and you have ailing parents or I had a bad childhood and you had a bad child. Why don't we look for connect opportunities for connection instead of go like a beeline straight for these tiny Minuscule differences. It's like somebody on a mandolin forum one time, out of the blue, this has been so effective to me and I don't even know the person, you know, or met them, just like connected over one sort of online messaging. And he said, this is like the narcissism of small differences. And I'd never heard this term before. And basically it means like the selfish focus on what makes us different rather than what makes us alike and why we do that as a culture. And the classic example, at least for me, living in Appalachia, is the Hatfields and McCoys, right? You got two West Virginia Appalachia kinship clans living literally like a holler away from each other with a minor geographic barrier and probably tons of 
historic genetic overlap and probably all cousins just because of the geographic isolation where they live and how those how those cultures sort of came up focusing on some tiny difference like you done me wrong or you left the lid off my pot still or whatever it was to create this massive feud which what makes the Hatfields and McCoy so famous is this long lasting feud where you know they're killing each other which is focusing on the narcissism, which is like this selfish focus on self, right, over these tiny little differences. When, when, when they could be focusing on like, hey, how come you guys got such great corn yield? You know, why is your moonshine taste better than mine? I don't know. Why? How are you picking that banjo? <laughs> why? And then and, and we could say a lot of things like, you know, it's, a, it's just a human thing or, or whatever. Um, but it just doesn't make any sense to me. And I, and I think if we take a moment through maybe this practice of or awareness of nonviolent communication, maybe this is a way where we can just pause. Maybe, maybe that's all it takes is like, stop before you react. And, and which, again, I've said this before, this is what things like journaling and exercise and meditation have how to allowed me to do is actually take a second. And so that's what I'm trying to do with this communication now is take a second and then respond intentionally according to this these three steps i feel i need and then the last that third step i didn't mention before is to make a request you know can we talk about this can we compromise about this but the second thing i'm going back i remember the second example is that i say all the time and you've heard me say on here if you listened at all i don't really understand how humans have communicated since the onset of language and maybe even before that, but I tend to think that this is an artifact of, of, of language and vocabulary and not like nonverbal communication. You know, I really think that nonverbal communication didn't suffer from this particular issue I'm going to describe because it was, there, there wasn't as much room for uh, nuance. I mean, it was more like desperate and basic and less complex. And so fewer possibilities for problems, <laughs> which is kind of you know, a general theme of increasing complexity, more money, more problems. And that is, how do two people ever have an effective conversation, using the two people example, where each side feels like they understood what they meant and were able to communicate what they understood and what they meant to the other person in such a way that that person, in turn, understood exactly what the other person said and meant. Has that ever happened, even? And, and because it probably happens so infrequently, how do we ever walk away from a conversation having really, truly understood what happened or really, truly believing that we were heard? Because we, we, we have these layers of complexity. We have our own internal dialogues. We have our own, oh, they said the word what? And when they, people say what, they mean, you know, this. And then da, 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 And you're going down these rabbit holes and you don't even hear the other half of what the person said. And then they say, you understand? You know, it's like, like my, my late friend, Rob King used to say, he's like, uh, what do you, what do you say? Uh, do you hear what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? Or do you feel me? You know, and people go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, when the, you don't, <laughs> <laughs> you don't always. And we don't really have like a habit 
of saying, well, one of the things they'll teach you is to say something like, here's what I heard you say, you know, repeat back to the person. Uh, and like in marriage counseling and things like that, you, you learn to do these things. And in, in, in nonviolent communication, surely that is an artifact of sort of repeating what you think you heard back to the person. And of course, I've already made this so complicated that 99% of the population is like, screw that. I don't have time <laughs> to do all that mess. I just am like, give me my large fries and Diet Coke and I'm out. Um, but I really think there's something to this. And I think it all starts with that pause. Well, it starts with global values and it starts with sort of understanding your feelings and, and, then, and then self-awareness and then attention and, and, and buying yourself this pause to sort of say, no, 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 no. Here's what I usually do. I'm going to try something different this time. And this is where I'm at. Like after now that I'm aware of this, <clears throat> I really want to make a concerted effort or at least, you know, Try to build a new habit of well, right now. Right now, all I'm doing is sort of practicing understanding my feelings, and so that I don't do things like uh, say, "I feel like when you do this, I get mad," you know, because that's basically blaming the other person. It's really just looking at what's the experience in my body right now, and like today when I was doing it, I was sort of like. Um, I was just feeling sort of okay, right? And so it's like, I feel, I feel like uh, satisfied. I can't remember. I don't have my notes in front of me. But, you know, it's, it's like, it doesn't matter what the day is, but, or, or you don't have to be upset about something to go down this road. And I think that's probably uh, a big part of the practice is printing out one of these feeling sheets and then looking at it on a daily basis and just going, okay. And then, um, so I watched a YouTube video I searched for uh, Marshall Rosenberg. I think that's the guy's name who wrote the book, right? Nonviolent Communication. Yes, Marshall Rosenberg. And sort of somebody talking about nonviolent communication. And I found a YouTube page called How Communication Works. And it doesn't have the fellow's name. And I watched one of his videos, and it's a particular video entitled Nonviolent Communication, A Language of Life. Um, so it's How Communication Works, Nonviolent Communication, Language of Life. And this guy talks about the difference between or the common errors that we make when we think about our feelings. And so I recommend that you watch that because he's going to do a much better job of, of, than me. Um, and he sort of talk, he, he summarizes the Marshall Rosenberg book too. So it's a great little 20-minute video. But he, he describes a bunch of things that I do, like that example I gave you when I say, I feel like when you tell me to do something that I, you're a bitch. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing. Those are the kind of mistakes I make instead of really figuring out like, you know, I feel curious. Uh, I feel um, um, excited or or open about the possibilities for uh, future good. Or uh, you know, even that, even that. See, just watching me do it, you're probably like, you're an idiot. It isn't easy. <laughs> it isn't easy to know the difference between when we're truly identifying a feeling, and then, of course, just briefly. And let me move this so I can. Um, the next step then is to uh, try to relate what you're feeling to a need. And this is when sort of that internal family systems, parts work, self-awareness, um, this sort of stalking and personal inventory that I've talked about in the past. And, and you know, of course, all kinds of self-help uh, gurus, counselors, therapists talk about this. Sort of just understanding um, how, how you act in the world and sort of what is the need that is underneath this 
particular feeling. And to use the dishwasher example again, you know, I need to be seen. I need positive or I need reinforcement from my wife that tells me, that gives me sort of releases me from the shame that I'm going to impose upon myself uh, to support my autonomy and my individuality and the value of my um, life, my person in the context of our marriage. You know, sort of, I need to know that this isn't a narcissistic codependent mesh. This isn't a dictatorship. This isn't um, you know, a fascist <laughs> marriage where she's basically saying, punishing me for being wrong or bad, right? Because that's sort of, I, I need help recognizing that. that, and that. And that's basically what it is. And then so what she can do, you know, as that, that third step that I haven't really even got to yet, but that's the third part of the three-part steps in nonviolent communication is to sort of say, um, did, well, I've already did that, to make a request about what she can do. And so what she can do is simply I'll, I'll participate in this exercise with me to help walk me through and remind myself that this isn't actually how she feels. <laughs> or, or it could be anything else. It could be like, with the dishwasher example, I think what my therapist used was to recognize that the dishes still get clean and that, this is a concerted effort and that, you know, an, an alternative is for me to just quit putting the freaking dishes in the dishwasher and you do it yourself then or, or whatever and turn this into something worse. That To recognize that attempting to communicate about it and attempting to compromise about it is a good um, intention behind it and probably the, the, the best intention. And uh, anyway, there's so much to do with that. And, you know, I like talking. And so this kind of stuff excites me. Like, let's really break this down. And now I don't think it should be belabored. And I realize that lots of people, probably more than half of us, don't really want to do any of this because it just seems silly. But I think going back to the intention, the intention here is to learn how to do this better. And so I would think that a result of practicing this and putting in the work kind of up front results in improved communication sort of passively down the road that doesn't require all of this action. Uh, and I don't really think that it has to be that way. And, you know, I'm the kind of person that needs somebody to say like, okay, we're done. Let's move on. And another person may, you know, need a little bit more coaxing to be like, come on, let's hang on a little bit more. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Anyway, so I think to, to improve so many things, it's such a basic tenet way back, you know, something I just sort of missed because I didn't know, I forgot, I was unaware, I thought I was doing this well. Um, and it's nice to be called out on it and sort of realize, although at first I felt bad, you know, I felt frustrated uh, that I had missed this or forgotten this or was no good at this and I started to beat myself up. But again, I, you know, I got past that and now I see this as an opportunity an opportunity to improve communications with my wife, communications with my kids, communications with my parents, communications with my friends. And then beyond that, my ability to sort of tolerate, um, you know, the, the larger differences that do exist in the world, even like cultural differences um, that 
we can't really change and not just sort of bad behavior uh, toward, well, toward me walking the talk of loving my brothers and sisters and feeling connected in the world, right? Because that is not an easy thing to do. And I think this is a necessary mechanism. I think it's one of the things I've been sort of missing that's like under the table been causing and creating other problems because I do get very frustrated when I'm not heard. And uh, how am I supposed to be heard in any conversation when I don't really know in the first place what it is I want the other person to hear? It's that so, it's that so to go back... You know, sort of to what what started all this for me was this idea that any two people can never really have an effective conversation or communication. Well, and then, and so that first thing, that first example was whose responsibility is it? Like, I don't like it when you load the dishwasher that way. Well, I don't want to do the dishwasher way. So is that a like unsolvable impasse? Or is it that one person has to change 100% and the other person changes zero? Or is it a 50-50 compromise? I think... The idea is the compromise is probably <laughs> the more reasonable and meaningful um, resolution to any problem when humans interact. And if that can become our go-to, maybe we can reduce some of the division, the polarity, the divisiveness uh, that seems to be uh, permeating the world <laughs> ever increasingly. Uh, in June 2023. So, yeah, I look forward to further developing this and sort of including this in my metric of, you know, how to be a better person and how to improve the quality of my life. Uh, and uh, had to throw it out there. And I thank you for listening. And look, if you made it this far, I'm not asking you to subscribe or anything, but if you could help me out and just maybe like the video or put a review in the podcast if you're listening to a podcast because that stuff really helps get this in front of other people. And I know just from sort of watching the algorithm randomly put this in front of people, when it does land, it's it's well received. And I think, you know, we need more of this stuff. And I just want to be a part of the movement and be included in that group. And, and you know, I can't do that on my own. So anything you feel like might help, I appreciate that. So I'm Chris Bercher. This is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. This has been episode 130, Feelings, Communication, and Interactions with People. I'll see you next week. Take it easy.